With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Chicken Nick Show is brought to you by The Beanery. Everybody needs to get their coffee game right. And The Beanery is the place to do that. All of their drinks can be served hot or iced or mixed, whatever you want. Talking lattes, mochas, cappuccinos, teas, smoothies, everything in between. With locations in Gretna, Ashland, and Papillion, find a beanery location near you. It's the Beanery, the official coffee provider of the Chicken Egg Show. Here comes Scott Ross Huskus. And we guessed wrong. And we got Trev out by... Uh, very disappointing. Bill Moose is out of the area. And we guessed wrong. Still love you like that. Yeah, it was all a guessing game for us. First three years we cried. Now we're ready to ride. Cam Taylor Britt is about to bring you the pain. Cam Taylor Britt, first mistake was fielding the ball, and then I don't know what he was doing. So, I mean, did you I, just jinx the entire team with your yeah. song? Like, you covered all the bases, and they were all terrible. So what happened? I don't I know. I blame you. This I, is all you. I didn't blame is. many players. I, I didn't name many players. You named them all, from Cam Taylor Britt to Marquis Stepp. Samari to Torre. it like a boulder. Yeah. To I, Samari I, Torre. Yeah. Ben Stilley. Adrian Martinez. Yeah. Not good. I, I mean, it's probably my fault. Didn't we have? Remember early on, Shick and Nick, we had a like we had a jinx. We had the Shick and Nick jinx, right? Like anybody we remember that early on, we had our like anybody we named in a song mm-hmm. either got hurt or something bad happened. That's why we did the Colt McCoy song. We like oh, right. did a song praising Colt McCoy, hoping we could do like a little, you know. A little Jedi mind trick on that's the jinx. And that's I can't remember. Right. I can't remember exactly what happened initially, though. We did do a Colt McCoy song. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I want to hear it. Are you kidding me? We did a song for him leading up to the Big Ten, Big Twelve championship game, to try and get him to have a terrible game, which he did. Which he did. Yes. Uh, I see this online at YouTube. You're gonna win the Heisman Trophy What I'm saying is I'm into soon But in Dominican there's no match for you When you should, you're so good And your mistakes are few 
You're gonna see, you're gonna run, you're gonna fly. You're gonna run right over Sua. Number 12, come a court. Oh, baby, baby, please. You can taste that victory. I wanna see you, I wanna see you hit Jordan shit. You can run it, you can run for 5 TDs. Ooh, helpless Polini. <laughs> Alright, okay. Oh you can go onto YouTube and, and listen to oh, us talk wow. over it because that's what we were doing yeah. there during the show. But I can't, I, yeah. So it, anyway, we had a jinx. We had to reverse the jinx. And I don't know if I just reversed the reverse the jinx. Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. I'm not totally sure. <laughs> I don't know what, what happened there because that was, that was not good. Did you hear? The and I don't know if you if you heard this or not, the the Camp Taylor Britt uh, the special teams uh, blunder where he just went back and did that. Did you hear? Because you you wonder like how does that happen? Did you know Bo Pelini weighed in on that on no! that specific play? I didn't. Yeah, here it is. What good? Like why? Like <laughs> who does that? The best, the best commentary ever on the fielding a punt on your way back. Give it to me one more time. One Give it to me one more time. Sure. Uh, this is Bo Pliny's reaction to uh, not only trying to field the punt <laughs> inside the one, but then throwing it forward like you're a quarterback who's out of the pocket. What good? Like, why? Like, who does that? So, I, I don't even know what to do. You... I'm almost mad. I'm mad at you, but I'm also loving you right now. Your cold open was too good. You worked in the Bo Pelini drop too perfectly. You, what are you doing? You are, there's no way. I'm looking at our, we're six minutes into this thing, five minutes into this thing. There's no way we are going to do anything near as good for the remainder of this podcast. We've peaked way too early. Peaked very early, and you know people want to laugh, and what's more to be said uh, than than what anyone else has uh, truly already said? Yeah. Uh, Do you, I mean, (sighs) do we just go right into Scotch Frost and just do a little Scotch Frost? Do we just unload the arsenal here before we get into the game? I mean, I I am always down for Scotch Frost. It's really whatever you want to do, man. I mean, it's... uh... It's not like all we right. haven't talked about all these things before. So, I mean, yeah, if we want to get our scratch right. game going, let's do it. Okay. After games, coaches get drunk on emotion. Uzbekistan. Coach Frost is no different. Are you by yourself? I'm sitting in the press box. Yeah. Uh, by yourself? The Chicken Nick Show presents another edition of Scotch Okay, this is exactly what we would do if we were hosting a daily radio show. Yep. We wouldn't turn on the mics on a Monday and just just obliterate anyone. We would just try to ease take into your it. mind off. Of Got to ease into it. That's right. Uh, let's just do one here. Just one clip. Uh, this is from his post game news conference, and just talking about. Uh, you know, just coming out of the half, second half. He is so off his rocker here, and so three sheets to the wind 
This drive, if you pay attention, this drive that Illinois apparently went on was unbelievable, and I'm shocked that Nebraska even got the ball in the second half. Listen. Got a strip sack fumble, and uh, they earned it, but we, we, you know, we gave them those 16 points. Uh, the one thing I'm really disappointed in is we didn't respond very well coming out of, of halftime, letting them go on a 75-play drive. We needed to make a stand right there. Um, late in the game, I thought the guys fought, but uh, very disappointing, man. Disappointing. Okay. That. <laughs> hey, how do you recover from that type of drive? You, like how... you could. There's a lot of things you can endure in a football game. A 75 play drive is not one of them, though. You have a hard time recovering from that. Letting them go on a 75-play drive. We needed to make a stand right there. <laughs> after after 74 plays, we really needed to make a stand Ooh. on that 75th play. But they punched it in. God bless them. Hey, listen, they punched it in. Listen, I thought we were pretty good for the first 73 plays or so of that drive. But it was play 74 and 75 that we just we gave into it. We gave into it. We were too tired. <laughs> That's <laughs> a lot. It's a lot to expect. Yeah. Uh, just a full full day's action, full day's work in oh, one wow. drive. So. 75 play drive. That was, uh, is there, um, you know, we'll go a lot of different ways on this. And what's uh, most of what we've said, we'll say, has probably already been said. But um, the uh, he, could you imagine? I just want you to close your eyes and imagine Alabama, Nick Saban comes to the podium after a game, after they maybe lost the game, or it was a tight game, and he talks about how they prepared and utters this phrase. And we guessed wrong. We guessed wrong. We guessed and we guessed wrong. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine Nick Saban no. going to the podium and saying it was a guessing game and we guessed wrong. Not only could you not imagine him saying that, but you couldn't imagine a scenario in which Nick Saban would anticipate something, a.k.a. guess on what type of a defensive front the opponent would be playing. And because he guessed wrong, it ruined their entire offensive game plan. So I'm not sure what's more like, whoa, is just like we guessed wrong or just this fact that like because they played with four down linemen instead of three or maybe it was three down linemen instead of four, whatever it is, that that extra body was enough to totally, I guess, disjoint your offensive attack in terms of running the ball. It's I mean, it really it's amazing. It threw him off. It did. Uh, it did throw him off. I was. Um, it was quite the game. It was uh, quite the contest for Nebraska. And I, I was kind of mad at myself. I think a lot of people are mad at each other and themselves because there was a point this summer when, like, on the Big Ten radio, whatever, and we talk about that game, and I kept going back to Illinois returning everyone, and look what they did. Mm-hmm. Like, look what they did in Nebraska last year, and they're returning everyone. But they're like, ah, there were mistakes. They won't make those mistakes. And, ah, 
Nebraska, that was Luke McCaffrey, not Adrian Martinez. And eh, things will get things will get better. And then you watch the game, but it didn't even like even if I even if you go back and you say, I really think Nebraska's in, in trouble, it wouldn't have been because of self-imposed mistakes. It would have been because they just dominate the line of scrimmage and would have done to you what they did last year. But it was more the made a ton of mistakes and gift-wrapped points and took away your own points. And in a program that has little margin for error, there were a ton of errors. Yeah. And that's that's kind of been the, the MO. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the thing, because when you started that thought, I thought you were going to go a direction that I was feeling, even though I agree with what you said. Like, I think the thing that I'm struggling with and I'd have to imagine a lot of other fans are feeling the same way. No, no one likes to feel stupid and be made a fool of. And one of the ways yeah. you can feel stupid and be made a fool of is to believe something or believe in something or believe someone in what they're saying and then have that not happen, right? Like, I think I watched that game and I feel stupid with a lot of the stuff that I said last week on our podcast predicting this season you know feeling like hey I think this team could you know I think there could be eight and four in the cards I think they're they're they've they've preached and worked on covering up those mental mistakes and working on special teams they've made it an emphasis they've really really focused in on those areas and then to hear that to think about that to to discuss that for eight months and then for the first game out for it to be just exactly exactly the same it just kind of makes you feel I don't know maybe I'm like I'm watching I'm like why I mean again it goes back to like I continue to want to give everyone there the benefit of the doubt and they continue to and they continue to make me feel stupid for doing so they continue to lose the benefit of the doubt but you continue to just okay maybe next time maybe this maybe that it's like the Hey, maybe things will turn around. Maybe this will be a good season. Maybe it. things They'll will get, get better. Yeah. And that's like when your NFL, your favorite NFL team is two and eight, and you go, oh, all we need to do is win the next six. Like, what have you seen that would give you any indication that you will? And the trouble for Nebraska now is, well, there's a lot of issues, but one of them is they will be able to prove nothing on a positive note no. for the next two games. No. The only thing we'll, they will be able to prove is what you believe coming out of this game. If there's something negative, that'll validate. If there's something positive, you won't read anything into it, and and then they'll go to Norman. So there's a lot of it, there's a lot of things there. It's pretty amazing though, Shik, that I, I, you know, you talk to people. I've talked to a couple of my my friends and people that I, I run it. I've ran into over the past you know eighteen hours or so. And the thing that's pretty amazing is there almost was a bingo card for. The, the typical Nebraska football blunders and typical Nebraska football mistakes. And Nebraska hit on every one of them. I mean, literally, like that, that's what's so incredible about that game was it was all of the exact same things you've been seeing. Even all the way down to the final, the second to last drive of the game, Cam Jurgens finally has an errant snap for almost to, if you're playing Husker bingo, that is like, bingo! Like, Th- th- well, the we- problem is everyone who's got a card stands up and they want. That's it. Everybody's like, that's got a bingo. I mean, it's just 
it's incredible. And I guess that's how demor- – I know it's demoralizing from someone that wants to see the program do well and someone that considers themselves a Nebraska fan. But I just – how demoralizing does it have to be, though, Schick, to spend eight months preaching something, talking about something, drilling something, working on something – no more mental mistakes. Special teams going to be better. Going to have a downhill running back driven run game. Martinez is going to cut out the back breaking mistakes and then go out and to have them all not happen immediately. It's got to be a gut punch to the players and their confidence. It's got to be a big gut punch to the coaches. And I think as you've seen some of the reaction, a lot of the fans and you've seen the media go, you spent all offseason working on mental mistakes and special teams and 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 that's that's the result that's wow really you look like you didn't work on anything people think it's easy it's not they find out real quick it's not touche touche bo but i don't know man i i i i couldn't have if you would have asked me before the game just just draw the worst possible way that game plays out you draw up that game because it's not just the fact that they lost Schick. Sure, they needed to win. And I'm not going to be disingenuous and turn on this mic and act like if they would have lost, but it would have looked a different way, I'd have, I, everybody would have been like feeling pretty good. But you couldn't lose like that. You couldn't do it. And it happened. Yeah, the only thing really missing were some gaping holes in running backs running free for 40 yards. I mean, there were a couple of long gains, but for the most part, the defense played pretty well. I agree. Um, and that's the, that's the problem, is that when two-thirds of your operation doesn't function and execute at even an above-average level, you're going to lose two-thirds of your games. Yeah, it's not... Con- yeah, right. I mean, it's a pretty simple dot right. mechanic there. This is going to uh, continue to happen and the fact is like when you've got when you hear the hey I couldn't have stressed it enough in the offseason I couldn't have done this more and the recruiting rankings tell you that this team is more talented than the other team it just flat out is and don't let anyone tell you otherwise yes there are some chances for Illinois and all that but this is a team that was awful last year Illinois was bad very bad okay it's been a terrible t- – it was a terrible tenure for Lovey Smith. New coach comes in, has – I mean, you know, Frost and company have three-plus years. Brett Bielema comes in essentially during a pandemic on the back end of it, and within six months has everyone believing that they're going to turn this around and plays fairly error-free yeah. in this game. And it makes you wonder – Okay, you've got more talent. You've had your three plus years in. Then you watch that game, and the coach is telling you, We've been focusing on it. We've been hammering this home special teams, mistakes, fumbles, quarterback, whatever, everything. And that's what you get. The only, only possible answer is coaching. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's the only possible answer. And I know I get a ton of pushback. I tweeted out before the game. I didn't call a shot. I didn't predict the season. All I said was I listed the weapons. I listed the wide receivers that we've been hearing so much about. I listed the stable of running backs. I said experienced defense, talented quarterback, no excuse for fewer than six wins. That's a pretty low bar. 
Okay. It's a pretty low bar. And after the game, got a lot of pushback about talented. That quarterback's not talented. And that's a very bad faith argument to make. Adrian Martinez is very talented. And we've seen flashes of it. And most power five quarterbacks are talented. But there is something going on from the neck up with Adrian Martinez that is preventing him from showing his talent on a consistent basis. And the continued miss of layups on the field are helping to contribute to this. A great quarterback can cover up a multitude of deficiencies. The problem is, I don't think this team has a ton of deficiencies. I really don't, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're deficient now. I think we can officially say they're deficient at quarterback and they're deficient in the coaching room. And I think those, when you miss on those two things or when those two things aren't functioning at an elite level or an above average level, you really got no shot. Those two boxes have got to be checked. And right now they're unchecked. Right. If you're a Nebraska fan, that's where the struggle comes in. I do believe there is an issue at quarterback, and I do believe if they had better quarterback play on Saturday, they win that game. Yeah, I can't get away from that. Well, I cannot get away from that. So how much of that is Frost? I don't know, but it wasn't just that. It's the special teams. It's the penalties. It's this. It's that that continue to add to it, but I don't believe the quarterback issue can be overlooked anymore. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right, because I keep on I, – I, I, one of those guys that keeps on lining up to make excuses for Adrian, and he wasn't good. Uh, uh, he wasn't good on Saturday. And like you said, you can make a case. The game comes down to really – I mean, if you want – Cam Taylor-Britt's play or whatever, you, you, I mean, we can, and then the, the one roughing the passer that negates a pick. But really the two big plays were Martinez missing Wyatt Lever, wide open, wide open in the end zone, and then his fumble that's a scoop and score for Illinois. That's it's the, like the, Nick. That's 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 the game. Do, do the math on it. That's a five point difference because they kicked the field goal instead, and then the seven going into the locker room. Yeah, that's twelve points right there. And you are the more talented team. The less talented team needs breaks to win those games, and they got them all. But it wasn't by luck or a lack of luck. It was because of a lack of. Whatever it is yeah. for Nebraska, being on your P's and Q's, making sure you don't do this and that, being sharp, being attentive to detail, and it's just not there. I'm not saying it starts at the quarterback, because I, I like Adrian Martinez a lot. I like Rex Burkhead a lot. But there is something just missing there that is not he, allowing him yeah. to perform. He, and I don't know, if, like, he was great as a freshman. Uh-huh. And now the more knowledge he has attained and the more information you have crammed into his brain, he's become robotic or paralyzed right. mentally. It's like Mackie Sasser trying to throw back to the pitcher for the Mets. Grew up a Mets fan. He couldn't do it. He throws a decent deep ball. He had a couple of shots. Missed a bunch more. Missed a few layups that the butterfly effect of those misses. Right cannot be overstated because I because I'm with you on all that but then the then the one thing that's weird though is as the game progresses you kind of sit there and say to yourself if Adrian doesn't make a play how are they ever going to move the ball because they could not run the ball like the offensive line I thought was bad yesterday I mean because that's not a bit that Illinois you look at their 
run defense statistically a year ago is bad. And they, well, they, they gave you a different front than you were anticipating. Yeah, they, maybe that was it, right? And we guessed wrong. It was an odd even thing. They guessed wrong, and that, that rendered everything. But, like, your three running backs, between the three of them, you have 19 carries for 58 yards. And you, you kind of watch this. But here the pro, like, see, this is what I don't know. is like when I watch, I sit there and go, there's a part of me that watches go, man, if they didn't have Adrian, what the hell would they, how would they even do anything? But then I go, well, does Adrian kind of create that? Does that make sense? Like, does he create this world where only he can solve the the, the disaster? Does that make sense? Like, I don't know yeah. what it is, really. You know what I would love to do? You know who's someone I would love to get a beer with, go off into a corner of a bar, say, there is no cameras around here, no one this this conversation is going to stay right here between me you and these Coors lights is Mackenzie Milton I would love to sit down Mackenzie Milton and say what are you, when you watch the offense you you went undefeated in this offense you lit it up in this offense what is it that that isn't happening from your estimation. And maybe it's as simple as it, it, Martinez is at quarterback and it ain't me. If you had me, it'd be different. But then I go, at the same time then, Chick, though, like these receivers, last year's receivers were awful. They've had no run, no tailback that's even serviceable. So, like, what's hard is I, I, I agree with everything you're saying, but then it's, it's, it's also, like, we do got to take the whole scope into consideration, too. Like, they couldn't run the ball. They've had bad receivers. I don't know. I mean, it's there's no question the offense. You walked away from that. I, I don't know about you. I walked away feeling like I don't feel like the offense is going to be any better this year. Now, you don't want to overdo it through one game, but I walked away feeling like the offense – isn't I, I don't I don't know about you I don't anticipate the offense really being all that much more effective than it was a year ago based on what I saw on Saturday but I don't know the the offensive regression the Martinez regression is is we we've watched we've watched it for now four seasons three seasons in a game and I still I, I cannot understand it I just can't do you realize that the last time Marquis stepped carried the football was that touchdown yeah see that's the stuff I don't understand well did do did you like see I, did you <clears throat> see who was on the field when it was 30 to 16 biggest drive of the game 30 to 16 nine minutes left did you see who was in it running Ramir Johnson Ramir Johnson if you're good enough see this is the stuff that makes you lose that that you frost loses the benefit of the doubt if if he's good enough to be on the field with the in the biggest drive of the game, where the hell was he the first three quarters? And even the marquee step thing you want to point out is true. He was good enough on the field. He came on the field. He catches a wheel route that gets a big chunk play that gets you in to the red zone, and then he scores. W- where did he go? It's hard to. It's just hard to find an identity when you keep switching the pieces. I mean the the chess pieces on the board. You're just moving. It was like whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we What are we doing here? Let's just stick 
we cannot be a jack of all trades because we can't out talent a lot of people. So we need to be good at something. And what is that going to be? You have to allow your players to kind of suffer through the game a little bit, get into that rhythm. And, you know, Adrian Martinez, 17 carries for 111 yards. You take away the 75, he, did, he didn't do anything, right? right? So it's, you know, the, the whole stable of backs. And, yeah, the offensive line wasn't good. It's not just on the running backs. It certainly isn't. This is going to come back to the offense. It's structured. You asked you ask the UCF question, and I, I wonder if it's as simple as it's easier to out-scheme in the American Athletic Conference, especially when you have speed at important positions. You beat a Memphis or whoever it was that they beat on ESPN that year, you know, 50 to 42 or whatever the number was, and you're just trying to, to outscore folks. But when you have an Adrian Killens and a Mackenzie Milton, I mean, you feel like you're going to win a lot of games. When you're here, it's a little more intricate oh, no question. than that. Yeah. I, I and think... when you're at UCF and you have that and you're blowing teams out, you maybe don't learn the craft of how to win tight games. And the record would indicate that that learning curve is steep. Yeah. I mean, two things. I, I was talking to someone. I, I maybe mentioned this to you. I don't know if I did or not, but because you kind of don't want to go there with it yet. But like, now I know, I know he was one of the trendy picks for a, a a team to watch for that is that is on the rise that could be off the grid this season and i know he went one he's 1 and 0 cuz he won yesterday but if you really stop and think about it how's that chip kelly coaching tree doing mark helfrich out of out of out of coaching right now he's wearing a headset for fox his he he got let go at at oregon chip kelly let's be honest has not been very good so far at UCLA. So far, Scott Frost at Nebraska has not been great. Was there a little bit of lightning in a bottle at Oregon? Like, and the, and now that they were so cutting edge and different, and now the rest of the of the of college football's caught up to that. And so I, I don't I mean how that, that Chip Kelly coach that's, very, that's doing great. It's a great possibility. And the other thing I wanted to talk about, we talk about the you know the running backs, step steps last carry, who was on the field at at the end of the game with Ramir Johnson. The other thing that like this is these are other little things that I just don't understand. Did you see who trotted out there for the first punt return to return it? It was Oliver Martin. Who's your punt returner? Frost has done this a lot. Sometimes it's you know sometimes it's JD Spielman. Sometimes it's someone else. Sometimes, I don't. I guess I'm not. And maybe this is. Maybe more teams do that than I think. But I was cut from the cloth in the early two thousands when Nebraska's punt return field went on the field. On, on on the field, Dewan Gross was back there every time. Every time. A couple years ago. When DeMornay Pearsonell was at Nebraska, anytime there was a punt, DeMornay Pearsonell was out there every time. Like, just little stuff like that. Like, is Cam Taylor Britt your punt returner, or is he not? Because there's also, I wonder now, I don't know, maybe Cam Taylor Britt had a co- covered a couple of nine routes and was gassed and needed someone else to return the punt. I don't know. But I also know that, that maybe... 
the coaches. See, this is where I think sometimes competition, everybody talks competition, 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 competition. This is where it goes too far. Because when you then get on the field, you try and do too much. Because you try to win the job in one play. What did Cam Taylor Britt do when he came out to return the first punt when he got his crack at it? Tried to do too much. He predetermined. He said, I'm returning this no matter what. And what happened the first time the punt, the first punt return, it went out of bounds at the one with Oliver Martin. Right. So Cam Taylor Britt comes down the field and goes, I saw what happened last time. We're not getting pinned at the one with me. Right. But that's We're not, that's not happening with that's me. That's not happening. You know, I guarantee you, Cam Taylor Britt went back there and said to himself, no matter what, I don't care where this ball, this ball could be punted in row five, section three, seat two. I am catching this thing and trying to make a play. And that's where sometimes too much, I'm all for competition, but there gets to a point where guys then try to do too much when they get out there. And I wonder if you have a little bit of that. So whether it's the the head-scratching running back rotation or even something as little. And again, I will turn on the mic and say I'm, I was wrong with whether or not you know Cam was supposed to be the guy and then, then he got gassed or whatever. But just the fact that the first two punts, you had two different guys back there. And I just, those are the things that I just don't understand. And maybe I'm cut from a different football cloth, and maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but they're just sort of those little management things that are just maddening to me. And that's true, and that can all be true, and at the same time, it's just a bad judgment play by Cam Taylor Britt. It's horrible like judgment it, play. At some point, you, can, you know what they're coached to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've never played special teams, and I know it's heels on the 10, don't field it at the 1. Yes, right. So right. that's the, the, you're right. Like, that's where, that's where I'd imagine Frost wants to go to the podium and, like, do you really think we coach <laughs> right. our punt returners to do that? Do you really think, I know y'all think I'm an idiot, but do you really think that's what we tell them to do? Right. Of course not, you know? And Sipple uh, interviewed George Darlington. I don't know if you saw that. How about that blast from the past? The former Husker assistant coached on the defensive side. Uh, for 30 years at Nebraska has got three championship rings to prove it. Three national championship rings. And he said, fielding the punt at the two quote, it's inexcusable. That's high school stuff. It is. That's what Darlington said. Quote, we never had that happen because we had a certain approach to teaching that scenario. We taught it on Fridays. We drilled it hard. We'd have multiple punters and two return men with their heels on the eight yard line. The return men understood. You never step back. They were taught to step forward, let the ball go over their heads. I always use the analogy that you're standing on a cliff and your heels are on the edge of that cliff. If you step back, you're going to fall to your death and I'm not going to come to your funeral. <laughs> Facetiously, I would say there should be an opening on Nebraska's staff come Monday. End of quote. That's George Darlington. Ooh. Sip says he was kidding, mostly kidding anyway. But yeah, it's a tough conversation, he says. Then he's asked about, because he got to go see, um, he says, you drill it, you coach it. We coached it on Fridays to a ten, in a 10-minute drill. Then we reinforced it on the other days. And then he was asked, because he got to go see a handful of practices. He was asked about Adrian Martinez, Darlington. Quote, he had a good camp. Sometimes you get excited. You have too much adrenaline. He had easy throws in the game that he may never miss again in his life. It was too bad. I, the Caleb Tanner play, where the roughing the pass on sports like Probably outside of Adrian Martinez, that was the play of the game as well. The turning point of the Two game. Two plays of the game. Yeah. Turning point, sure. 
He says, from what I saw, it was an excellent tackle. Thought he hit the quarterback in the chest, but he must have said something after the flag was thrown. Yeah, he hit him in the chest. I think he drove him to the ground, which didn't help either. But he says, I thought it was a terrible call, but you got to keep your poise, right. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, but this, this is what happens when things go bad. You start going outside the program to former coaches. What's going on? What's happening inside? What have you seen? How would you have coached that? What was it like when you were winning national championships? What do you think happened here? Right. Because the coaches within the program don't have explanations for it. And so you have to go to other coaches outside the program to ask, what do you think's going on? Yeah. That's really what I took away from that story. Right. I, it does It does just make you wonder what's going on at practice. Because even, you know, the, there is an element of Frost seems genuinely surprised at a lot of these mistakes. And, it, and you know, they have to be drilled and coached during the week, you would assume. You just wonder... You, like, do they? Do you seriously not make these kinds of mistakes ever in practice, and then just it just so happens to pop up every Saturday? Like, I find that hard to believe. I guess, but again, we're not there, so we don't know. All right, take a quick time out here from this uplifting podcast about Nebraska football to tell you uh, why you need to go over here on our right with uh, Paul here. Over here on our right with uh, Paul here. Uh, Paul uh, runs the beanery, owns the beanery. He and his wife, his family. It's a, it's a team effort. Everyone does a, a great job. I saw something online, and correct me if I'm wrong, it looked like they're, they might be building another store. Like, I oh, saw a picture, I saw it. and it just looked like just grass. I'm like, you don't just post. The beanery doesn't just post pictures of grass no. and landscape. They're they're up to something. They're up to something good. It looks like there's a location coming to to West Omaha. That's what it looked like oh. to your boy, which is exciting. So now it doesn't matter whether you're in Gretna, Ashland, or Papillion. Eventually, you're going to be able oh, wow. to drink all the beans with a cup of Joe. I want to thank my Uncle Joe for teaching me all the sports. Very well. Very well said. And look, I know that there are some folks out there who think it's it's really easy to just brew your coffee, you know, grind your beans and do all that. And, oh, and all I have to do is just pick it up. I'll just go to the drive-thru and get it. Yeah, that part's easy. But you think it's easy to make coffee? You think it's not easy to make? People think it's easy. It's not. They find out real quick it's not. <laughs> it's not. And so, like, so this is, like, if you're going to go somewhere and you say, you know what, I'm just going to go to Starbucks today or I'm going to go to Dunkin' Donuts today. Like, all you want to say, like, why? What good? Like, why? Like, who does that? Bo Pelini making a lot of good points. But the other point I would make is when you get the caffeine, Bolt will bolt up in that thing. That boy will bolt up in that thing. When you get that caffeine, you absolutely will have the energy to do things out of the area. Build mooses out of the area. That was the biggest stretch. Yes. I just wanted to work done. it in. Oh. Makes no why sense. Would you do? If you have, I mean, let's be honest, you need energy to do things out of your area. The only way to get energy, Gilly, get your beanery coffee game right. Am I wrong? No, no, that's you're, you're not you're not wrong at all. I did see this before we wrap up this. 
I saw, we, we'll retweet people, Coley tweeted out, I was in the neighborhood, so I had to get my beanery game right, enjoying a Chicken Nick special. Cheers. And it's an iced caramel pecan latte. It's really, really good. They be doing it. Though. And Bo's on record. Like, he's he's not going to get a nice coffee. I don't mind it being a latte, but it's got to be hot. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> Well, look, he's not a big iced coffee guy. I mean, I'm not a big like iced coffee guy. All right, fine. But you can still <laughs> you can still get a hot coffee at the Beanery. Go to thebeaneriecoffee.com. They have multiple locations. Go to the website. Go to the drive-through. Check them out. Paul and the Beanery. They are the official coffee provider of the Chicken Dick Show. <laughs> the Beanery serving people coffee. What did what was your take on the, the end of regulation when they ran the ball twice into the pile when they wanted to save their timeouts and yeah. burned a minute? It was good. It was that was good, right? <laughs> that was that was fantastic. Like, like, why aren't we throwing to the end zone? All right, sorry. Well, what? I'm curious your take on the. I thought all the like I thought Dirk's column was very very interesting. Was very very. I read deep. part of it on ESPN Radio Sunday morning. I read part of it on the air. Yeah, because it, it was very well done. Yeah, very. I mean, certainly things that have crossed the minds of a lot of Husker fans and and people that follow the program. But there, there. When you read, because there was a lot of Mitch Sherman had a great column. Pat Forty wrote a yep. column. Sip Chattel. Everybody wrote these columns. And Dirk, of course. And I would say the main tenor of all the columns was they were obituaries. They were they were written in a way of like this thing. It it, it did. I didn't get the sense when I read them like it might be over. It read as it is over, and that this is feels the beginning like, of the end. Yeah, this it, is the beginning of the end. That yes. I mean is. There's a part of me, and maybe this is, I don't know, I maybe I am drinking the, like, is that a little quick to be going there with it? And I understand in, the, in our industry, people like to get out ahead of things and say, I'm telling you, this is going to happen. And they like to plant their flag here and say, this is like, because the thing, right. once once this snowball, the snowball's now rolling. And once once these columns start to hit and hit with regularity, it's hard to to turn the tide. When things go negative, it's hard to turn it back. And that goes for every program. It is rare when things get this negative that you come out 10 games later and go, I can't believe how well this turned around. Right. Like that rarely happens. Or three years from now, man, that coach that we f almost fired in the press, I can't believe we won a conference championship. Like that, that typically doesn't happen. But it's early. However, we've seen it. Yeah, that's the hard part. There are eleven games that's left. That's the part of it. That that's, that's the thing the that's tough. Is like there there are eleven games left, but we've also seen what is it now? 30, 33 games. Let's call it thirty three games. This has been a thirty three game season. These are not three separate seasons plus another game. This is one long season. At least that's how it feels 
where there's really no difference between any of them. Like, there, it's, it's just been one long play, and there's nothing that you've seen up in this 33-game season so far that would lead you to believe that the next 10 games in this season are going to be any different. Right. That's really the, 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 the problem. You the, think yeah. you flip the coin enough in these one-position games, it's going to turn up tails eventually when you f- call tails all the time. Maybe you just have, someone's got a double-sided coin on you. Yeah. But that's just But I do but I do believe I'm not one of those people. Like if I'm writing, I know you need to write those stories and I'm not saying what they wrote is wrong. No, I'm I not either. It's all really either. good. Yeah. And it's and it's the perspective of a lot of people. But once you uh, go there, I'm not I'm not going there yet. Yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not going there yet. You're almost writing the obituary cuz you've seen the coffin. Yeah. Right? You've seen it already and you know how this is going to end. I don't. I know Paul Feinbaum says that. I, I want to play for you what Uh-oh. Feinbaum uh, said okay. and just get your – I want to get your reaction. It's from the podcast that comes out on Monday for ESPN. The podcast is entitled Dead Man Walking. Oh, boy. Okay. Scott Frost looks like dead man walking, and, and there's just no way to sugarcoat it. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm sick of sugarcoating because I really thought, Matt, he's, he was one of the most impressive coaches up close I've ever been around. But that doesn't matter. I mean, uh, it doesn't make one bit of difference. Two or three weeks from now, when Nebraska goes to Oklahoma, we're going to everyone is going to wax poetic, especially those of us who were barely alive in 1971. Uh, 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 about about that the, the game of the century, but Nebraska that, that that's not Oklahoma is still the same team, still the same program. Nebraska is not. N- Nebraska football is a shell of itself, and I'm sick and tired of the delusional Nebraska fans bugging all of us uh, uh, in in the media about how important they are. They're not. They're irrelevant, and just get used to it because and, and, and it's not changing under Scott Frost. Well. Again, um, I mean, there are a couple of things within that. Number one, Oklahoma has not stayed steady good since 1971. They had a period where they dipped, not necessarily as long a period as Nebraska's dipped, but let's not be disingenuous and act like Oklahoma's continued to be a buzzsaw from 1971 all the way to 2021. Uh, when they went to the Big 12, they were having – when they formed the Big 12, I should say, it was things were so not that great that they said, no, we're not going to play Nebraska every year. Right. Right. So, so, so let's let's be with the north south. Let, yeah. Let's be clear with that. Um, again, I always find it ironic that that Nebraska is so irrelevant that all these national columnists and all these national pundits feel the need to write column after column about how irrelevant they are. And and it didn't on do the Nebraska any favors that they were one of they were the only. Power five versus yes. power five game. Yes. Right, right. But, but, I, but I guess like I, I, I hear what the, I understand what they're saying. They're irrelevant from a competitive standpoint. I feel like if you would phrase it like that, I'm with you. They're not an irrelevant program from a eyeballs cachet. People want to watch them talk about them standpoint. They're not. They're not an irrelevant program in that regard. They're not, but how long does that last? Yeah, it's, those that, days are each each year that passes. It gets it's that that light is fading. I mean, there's there's no question about that. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to re- I, I I'm trying to remember exactly. I don't what he said. I don't think the I don't think the the other thing I always push back on is the delusional fans saying we matter. Like the, I think the fans are saying we want to matter. Yeah, I, they I understand agree. where they're not at right now. It's not about. I've always said it's not about national championships. It's national relevance, right. and that's what Nebraska wants. And the problem is that the whole any pub is good pub does not apply to Nebraska because I, the I, pub they're getting none of the pubs been good for the last three years. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of different. I mean. There are shreds of truth of what Paul Feinbaum said, no question about it. I think um, some of that is rooted in, sometimes I do try and get outside of the bubble that I'm in. And if you're just observing Nebraska, Paul Feinbaum goes, you you guys are delusional. You fired two coaches that were winning, that were winning. Not Bo Pelini and Frank Solich were winning, and you fired them. So clearly you, like, I, I think they just connect the dots of, of, well, clearly you think you deserve more than being, than winning nine games a year. And on that level, he's right. Like the, it does, it, it, it does look bad for Husker fans, but I also think number one, Nebraska fans have kind of learned their lesson in that regard. And I also think those situations are are a lot. That's an oversimplified, dumbed down way of explaining what happened with Bo Pelini and what happened with Frank Solich. Um, so yeah, I, I, I listen. I get it. I understand. I mean, it's it's hard with with a lot of what Paul Feinbaum said in terms of just the the big picture of it all. But I, I guess I, I I don't think Husker fans are as delusional as people want to paint them out to be in the moment. I really don't. I agree. And, and it's in that vein that I want to play for you this. Uh, on ESPN Radio on Sunday morning with, on my show with Myron Metcalf, we had a couple of segments about Nebraska mm-hmm. and talking about it. And I put the phone number out there for someone to call and a guy named Chris in Nebraska who listens to our pod and references that. Nice. Uh, here. He had this to say, and I think you don't know when you take a call what it's going to be. Like, right. oh, is this guy calling for a job? This was as level-headed, reasonable a take as you'll find. And we, he just so happened to be the only caller that we took. This was Chris in Nebraska, who might be listening now. Chris in Nebraska. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Um, you guys kind of hit the uh, nail uh, on, on the head here with everything. So I, I would say our passion in Nebraska for our program, our school is, I would honestly say it's almost second to none. Um, you know, it's easy to be a fan um, and, and pack the house for a, a team that's won seven national championships and has a coach that's 163 and 21. Try doing it for 20 years in a program that hasn't been relevant. Um, we want this to succeed so bad. That's what we are known for in Nebraska. People think of Nebraska, think of corn, beef, and football. And we're proud of that. Um, and to see this this program in this state and it's not just the losing man i mean you you lived in nebraska a couple of years at, at KTV, um and I, I followed you with with nick um and the podcast you guys do now um even when we lost games uh in the past under um you know solich and then the quality of football was still good it was still okay you know we just got outplayed this is garbage football it is terrible it would be like independent league baseball compared to the majors it's terrible, and the, it's been day one uh, for Scott Frost. We gave him the benefit of the doubt. It's, it's year one. He's going to fix things. 
if you put this game in a blind t- on a blind test, yesterday what happened yesterday on the field, and said this Illinois game is this year one, two, three, or four under Scott Frost, you wouldn't be able to tell a difference. You wouldn't know. You'd think that's year one. No, it's year four with a four-year starting quarterback who was once a Heisman candidate, and that's the biggest issue. That's the problem. If we were losing games to teams that were legit better than us roster-wise. Um, and it was quality football, not mistakes where a, sna- where a center who's a third-year senior is snapping the ball over the head of the quarterback for the third straight year, and we're not doing turnovers, and we're not having key mistakes and key problems. Once again, Cam Taylor Britt, that's a preseason All-American who filled a ball inside the two-yard line. What are we doing? That's the biggest issue we have right now, and this is why it hurts so bad, because Scott was brought on to fix the small things, and when you fix the small things – you get better as a team, and that's where this passion is just it's, it's killing us, man. Chris, 30 seconds. Is there a feeling of if he can't do it, this program is never winning anything? Generally, yes. I say no. I think that the next hire that Nebraska makes is the most important hire in the history of the program. Who can get us out of the slump and make us believe it can be turned around again? And there's a certain coach that I like up in Cincinnati right now that I think can make it happen if Luke can come in and get it done. Okay. That was really good, though. That's a, that's a caller, Chris, from Nebraska. Very level-headed. Yeah. Uh, you could hear the passion, mm-hmm. and I think he speaks for a lot of fans. I don't know about the fickle part and the, hey, the next right. coach. I don't know how many fans are moving on yet. But to his point, when he says it's garbage football, remember when Trev Alberts, and I'll, I'll play this here, and I think it's important to play this, okay? This was from the interview with Trev Alberts, Last month, it's gotten a ton of downloads. Like People really enjoyed what Trev Alberts had to say. I asked him about passion versus patience. Balancing his patience as an AD with his passion for the program. Here's what he said. How will you balance your patience with the football program with your passion for its success? Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? That's, that's a tough one. <laughs> Learn you know, from I, watching you, Trey. <laughs> well, I will, I will tell you, I mean, part of my leadership journey is, uh, you know, I, I hope and I think I'm a lot better um, leader today than I was in 2009. I certainly hope I'm a lot better leader five years from now than I am right now. But um, I, think, I think, in all honesty, uh, that's an important part of a, a leader's journey is, is not overreacting. I mean, I, I'm a really competitive guy. And, um, you know, it's like anything in life, um, being competitive is probably one of my chief strengths. And I will also tell you that my competitive nature can also be one of my chief weaknesses. And so I think over time, you're, you know, a little bit of wisdom and a little bit of guidance and mentoring, you, you can um, learn to manage those. I don't want to ever lose that. Uh, at the same time, you know, um, having a broader view of, of what's important and and um, um, having a little bit of patience and wisdom in, in dealing with that, um, I think um, I think will be very beneficial. So there, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I I cannot stand to lose, uh, and it doesn't matter. It's not just football. Um, you know, we we're gonna we're gonna win in tennis, and we're gonna win in women's soccer. You know, it, Nebraska. You know, we didn't we weren't just trying to win. You know, football games either. I mean, there, there was this broad based. We're gonna win at everything. We have the most academic All-Americans in the country for a reason, because there's a dedicated focus. You don't get to just pick and choose what you're going to try to have excellence in. You know, you, you make a commitment to, uh, 
you know, compete at the highest level in every single thing of what you're doing. And we do that because we owe it to the student athletes. How do you evaluate the success of that program? Well, I think, you know, I think it's pretty, pretty easy for, uh, you know, and I can be equally uh, um, accused of doing this on the outside to just look at, you know, wins and losses. And I get that we're, we're in, we're in the competition business. We get defined by wins and losses. You know, I think, I think the fundamentals and mechanics of what we're doing uh, will be very, very important to me. Um, obviously, we're trying to win games, but I think what's really unique about the University of Nebraska is I know everybody's really focused on a, a small window um, of, of success, but the reality is, um, you know, we didn't always win every game uh, when I was playing, uh, but I don't think our fans um, necessarily uh, we lost games and, and didn't play well, uh, but our fans were pleased because we had a product that represented what are important, uh, the attributes that are important to Nebraskans and our alumni. And so, you know, I, um, you know, what I'm passionate about is having programs that are reflective of the values that Nebraskans hold dear. That's what we have to do. And, and I'm also not suggesting that we don't have programs that exactly operate that way today, including football. So you have to be careful when I say that. But my point is, um, I really want to focus on those types of things. You know, we, we never talked about winning national championships. We never talked about, we just talked about doing the right things and having championship habits. And guess what? When you do that, eventually it turns and the wins, you know, that's an outcome. We get so focused on the outcomes that, you know, um, we don't focus on the you know the mechanics of, of getting the outcomes you want. So, the other thing is, you know, I said this uh, yesterday too, but, you know, when you've had dramatic success in the past, you can sort of, you know, get to the point where you feel like you're almost entitled. Well, we're, we are somebody. We ought to, uh, we're not entitled to success at the University of Nebraska. <laughs> um, you know, there's a whole lot of other schools. Uh, they're on scholarship too. And they've got a unified plan and vision about how they're going, you know, to take a leadership position in the conference or nationally. And so nobody's going to come and find solutions for us. We're going to have to do that ourselves. And the only reason way we do that is we do it together through hard work and, um, you know, a unified vision and uh, slowly, incrementally uh, growing our, uh, our success. The wins will come, uh, but eventually, uh, you know, you have to start first on, on the, uh, the granular details and mechanics that, frankly, for fans and others really aren't all that exciting to talk about. But those are the things that ultimately get you what we all want. Okay. So you have the caller talk about garbage football, right? And then you have Trev Alberts talk about the granular, the championship habits and the fans that appreciated the product because it was representative of the program. And then you see what you saw on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, basically it's kind of almost crazy that what Trev said was pretty much what Chris said but Trev said it in a very buttoned up diplomatic kind of way and Chris was able to let it rip a little bit he saw it when he said hey man when we lost under Solich it was still we just got outplayed it still was good football it's not that it's it's kind of not that way right now and that's just it I mean it was I was I'd, I'd recorded a, a podcast with Bo Rude today, and Bo made the comment said, "Hey, I, you know where everybody four years ago were, was talking about giving Scott Frost, you know, a long runway for this five seven years for this. Where how come that is? You know, where where everybody, where is that now? And the problem is exactly what we're talking about. 
at some point, the product on the field has to meet – Frost has to meet everybody halfway. Like, there has to be progress and at least clean football being played the majority of the time, and you can see the arrow – you can see it coming. Again, it's as simple as – I think everybody sees it defensively. Like – you can see them taking steps in the right direction on that side of the ball, but you don't in, to, in its totality and you don't offensively and you certainly don't on special teams, and that's where this situation gets really, really tricky. I don't think any Husker fans had, had unrealistic expectations for the most part for the first couple of years when Frost got here, but they certainly wanted to just see a product that was clean football that was continuing to progress. And that unfortunately hasn't happened right now. Yeah. I was, you're one of those guys. And I was one of those guys that said four or five years. I mean, you have to give four or five years, but when you say that you're anticipating a trajectory that is visible, right? That's it. You, you, you would never anticipate what you're seeing here. For instance, Kirk Ferentz, when he took over at Iowa. Hayden Fry, gone uh, after a three and eight season. Kirk Ferentz's first year, one and ten. Second year, three and nine. Third year, seven and five. Fourth year, eleven and two. Ten and three. Ten and two. Take a dip, seven and five. Six and seven, six and six. Nine and four. Eleven and two. Take a dip, eight and five, seven and six. Four and eight. Eight and five, seven and six. Twelve and two. Right? Steady improvement. You understand as a developmental program, you're going to have some dips. Iowa State football. Iowa State football. Last four years of Paul Rhodes. Last three years. Three and nine. Two and ten. Three and nine. Matt Campbell comes on board. Three and nine. Eight and five. Eight and five. Seven and six. Nine and three. That's it. Okay. It doesn't take that long, and it's not as hard as you're being led to believe. I'm not mentioning programs that are in Florida. I'm not mentioning programs that are in California or Texas. These are not hotbeds of recruiting. These are coaches that established an identity, and yes, Ferris coached under Fry, so maybe it's a little unfair to say that. But Scott Frost knows what championship programs look like. Matt Campbell was at Toledo, gets to Iowa State, turns Iowa State around, picks it up off the mat. That program was a mess from the Gene Shizik to Paul Rose. They had a few good seasons. We know that. But he comes in and you establish your, your culture. You figure out who you want to be, and you do it, and the product on the field is reflective of that. Here, you're three-plus years in, and if it's reflective of what you're doing, then you're doing it wrong, and the doer needs to be replaced. And that is where fans are coming out on going, don't lead me somewhere where I can already see where we've been, and it's it's been painful, and mm-hmm. now you're telling me it's going to get better. I, I don't know about this. So I, I really do. I have switched from this is a two-year thing, two more years to get better, to these next 11 games you better see something because if it's much like you've seen in the past, you can't recruit to this. That's the thing. You cannot, you can't recruit 
to negativity and to a program that looks like the coach is in hot water. That's it. Because kids do not want uncertainty. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Is not, not only Nebraska is hard enough to recruit to as it is. Try to recruit when everybody's negative recruiting is going to say, you don't want to go there. That, let, read this column. Look at the everybody dude is going to get it's it's he's on the hot seat. He's not going to be there. And which leads me to I, I did want to I, I wanted to talk to you about this real quick. And I don't even know necessarily if there's a lot to discuss here. But one thing that'll be really interesting is what the stadium, what Memorial Stadium looks like now this Saturday with Fordham coming to yeah. town, because my yeah. friends, you have a perfect storm. You have COVID rising back up. There have been some mask mandates in Lancaster County and the announcements from the university that you don't have to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask when you're inside bathrooms or concourse, all those. So you have masks. You then have a, a program that is struggling. They just had an ugly loss. And you have what can only be described as probably the worst team to come to Lincoln in Fordham in a really long time. You add all that up, how many people are in the stadium? I don't know. The the one saving grace you maybe have is that it's a Saturday. It's it, it's a Saturday. Fans haven't been able to tailgate and go it's to a Husker still football 11 game. Eleven a.m. Yeah, like those are tough. So the only thing, maybe, maybe there's enough people that are have been dying to go to a football, a, a Nebraska football game, and and they haven't been able to go in a year that their their need to experience that will supersede everything else. But I don't know, man. I, I'll be really, really, really interest, interested to see what the stadium looks like from a capacity standpoint. Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? <laughs> Thank you, Trev. And Trev has been, I want to be a realist on this. Like he, What he said at Big Ten Media Days was, look, this isn't, I'm not here to just try and make sure, like polishing the turd. He didn't right. say it like that. But... Let's make carry sure this it's sold facade out. on. Yeah, like carry this facade on yeah. that it's that, this, yeah. that there's been sellouts, you know? Yeah. But for in here walk the greatest fans of college football, that stadium tells you a lot. A stadium that's full of fans that would clap for the opposition and be there toward the end of blowouts. If they don't show up, like you look into the stand the stands at the Memorial Stadium have always told a story. Always go back to Oklahoma state at halftime. Whoa. Send the local reporters. I remember us sending Andy Osaki, who was our KETV guy who was always there shooting games with us. We sent him to the street, get out there in the parking lot, talk to these fans. That's where the story is, right? Look at that pocket. It was always a story in the, in, in the press box. Look at that pocket. Oh, that's not good. Look at over there. The stands. The best thing about that streak is the stadium tells the story. And it's going to tell you, like we talked about, Trev Alberts, we made the statement. He's not here to fire the head coach. He doesn't want to. And no one hired him to do that. But if it happens, it needs to be painfully obvious. 
that it needs to happen. So there's no tearing, oh, you're firing the favorite son because you didn't like this. It needs to be painfully obvious to everyone. And I hope that it's either painfully obvious, which I think it would be, or things get so much better that it that you right. can't fathom doing that. But but as I say that out loud, it's hard to picture the latter. It just well, is. Yeah, I, I think I think oftentimes it's funny. Oftentimes these situations work themselves out to be more crystal clear yes. than we think they do. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. I think we all picture. Everybody kind of conjured up this image of like. They're going to go six and six, which is possible. I got there six and six. It's going to be some good. It's going to be some bad. It's going to be a few games. You go, oh, look at that. There's going to be some games. You go, oh, that's not good. And then you're going to be left with a really, really hard decision to make. I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a chance this thing makes it. It's, it's fairly obvious. And I hope, honestly, I really, really, I am rooting like hell for Frosto. Freaking get it going, man. I oh, am yeah. rooting 100%. like hell for him. I do not want more change. Let me make that crystal clear. The thought of more change, literally I get a pit in my stomach. But I hope whatever decision Trev has to make, it's so obvious that it's like, yep. Trev Albertson, the interview that I did with him a month ago, used the word stability a lot, a handful of times. That's something this program does need. No doubt about it. You can't have a revolving door of coaches, but stability can't come at the cost of the future. Right. And there's just too much at stake to weigh stability on the scale. So, you know, as an imbalance, when you're looking at, okay, but what are you gaining? You have to be gaining something. Stability increases, trajectory goes up. Those need to be in right. line. Right. That's right. why stability is important. Like, stability in Nebraska. Yeah. You know why? Because Osborne was winning games. Right. right? That's what always like, if he's me. not winning games, you wouldn't have had stability. People, that, that's always that, it's always drives me nuts. It's one of those pet peeves. Like, when people talk about, like, well, hey, it took Tom Osborne 25 years before he won the big one. It's like, yeah. He also, go look at his win totals. Dude was winning 10, 11 games a year, finishing in the top 15, top 10 every year. Like, it's not the same. You know? It's not. But... But that's it. You can't you I this program needs stability, but you can't sell out to stability in the face of reason. And we'll see how how all that shakes out, but I just wanted to bring, I I'm going to be fascinated with what that's Memorial Stadium day. looks like on Saturday. And I also want to push back on the notion of the if Scott Frost can't do it, who can and where do you turn? That is, I'm not saying you don't say it because simply because it's hopeless. There's too much invested in here in this program, and there are too many good coaches out there. And I reference the Matt Campbell aspect. He's in the top ten with Iowa State. Mm -hmm. You think they care more about that program and put more resources in it than Nebraska? Of course they don't. You think it's a different footprint? Of course it's not. Coaches that are really good at this can turn it around and you'd see signs sooner than four years, much sooner, Yeah, because it would be the granular things. You'd get beat because you got outplayed, not because you got outclassed. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. I totally agree. And, and I, so I, I completely push back on the if he can't do it, nobody can. No, if he can't do it, maybe he just can't be a Power 5 head coach. Right. Maybe he's just not built for this. 
And it does take a unique person to succeed here. Yeah. Get that. Yeah. This is not an easy job, but it's not impossible. I think that's one of those things where people say that if Frost can't do it, nobody can. That's one of those things like I think I think people I, I, I I'm almost giving people the benefit of the doubt that they say that tongue in cheek or something. Like like I, so. I understand yeah. the the spirit of Scott Frost embodied all the things that Nebraska fans have said for twenty years what this program needs. And when when that's the case and it doesn't work, there is a oh my god feeling to it. Now what? Now yeah, there now is what? a now what feeling sure. to it. I'm not that is true. But the idea that truthfully nobody on planet Earth could win at Nebraska if Scott Frost can't win at Nebraska, that's just like I I mean, come on. Like I don't think anyone really no rational person could actually believe that, right? Like, there's no question there's going to be if, if if this Frost thing does go off the rails, there's going to – I mean, it's going to be a big wound for everybody to lick around Nebraska. There's no question about it. But, I mean, somebody can – I mean, there's a lot of people on earth. Somebody's got to – You know who can fix it? Dylan Rayola. You seen that quarterback? Oh, I did. If you went to Dominic and said, hey, if Scott stays, will your sons come here? Yep. All right. Scott's here. There we go. Gets here. You start making package deals um, like that. Uh, I think we covered just yeah. about. I think the the, the bottom line is that's a super serious. You, going back to the going back to the Illinois game, you will never start winning games until you stop losing. Yeah, them. that's. I know that's that is so true, and that's just it. Like you just got to stop losing games. Like everybody, <laughs> I jokingly, you know, Frost had that line. It's like seems like the same movie, you know, and and it's true. But I also think it's like. I, I thought of, I don't know if you might be, I'm a little younger than you, but I don't know if you ever watched Pinky and the Brain, but Pinky and the Brain, two lab yeah. lab rats. Yeah. It's like, well, what are we going to do tomorrow, Brain? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. There's this element of like, what are we going to do next week, Coach Frost? The same thing we do every weekend. Self-inflicted wounds and lose the game. Like that... That's it's just the same stuff over and over. I just want to see what would happen one time if Nebraska would just they wouldn't be the ones to lose it, you know? What are we going to do tomorrow night, right? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Pinky in the brain. Great. Uh, by the way, this was I, I haven't played this yet. I haven't heard this yet, but I queued it up. I want to play just so we can listen to this part. Into the near side as part of that triumphant. So it's an empty set for Adrian. The wing is Austin Allen. He now comes in motion to the near side. So now you have four eligible to the near side of the boundary. Snap back. Adrian holding, holding, looking, looking. Now being rushed. Steps up. Oh, no. He fumbled, he fumbled it. He fumbled it. Oh, no. Illinois and racing towards the end zone is Calvin Hart, and it's an Illinois touchdown. Adrian, the pressure collapsed on him. The ball got knocked free. Hart picks it up, races in, and just like that, Illinois leads. Wow. Incredible. Third and two, pocket collapsed. Bounces right up to an Illinois player, and he runs it in. Tur two turnovers in the last minute and a half of the first half, and Illinois takes the lead. Um, oh, that I had not, sad. I had not heard that. I, it makes me very sad. Matt Davison, like 
he's watching his best friend go through this, and he has to give the commentary. He, like, he, for his own health, you almost need to relieve him of his duties for the rest of the year. Did you hear him go? Oh, oh no! He fought, like that. That sounded oh, no. like he was. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! No! Oh, I, no! 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 Oh no! He fumbled it. He fumbled it. Oh no! No, 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 no. Oh, no, he fumbled it. He fumbled it. Oh, no. No, 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 no. It's like a kid, like a parent when you see. No, 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 no. was like Cleveland win the bathtub. No, 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 no. Let's see. Oh, no, he fumbled it. He fumbled it. Oh, no. Cleveland on Family Guy on that play. That's hard to listen to. No. Seriously, it listening to Fro- so Davis in there is hard to listen to. Oh Who's no, he fumbled it. He fumbled it. Oh no, it's. Mm, I'm with you. I think he should be removed from the broadcast so he doesn't have to do this anymore. It can't Difficult. be good for when his thing, if things pick up, put him back up. There. That's it. They start winning. They win until they win two games in a row, or they at least win a game, like then Davidson can go back to the boot. But right now, this cannot... The I don't count... I, there couldn't be a single doctor in the world that would think this is good. If they hooked his, like, hooked him up to, like, oxygen rate, pulse, all that stuff, like, those bells and those things would be going... Those numbers would be going crazy. Oh, no, he fumbled, fumbled it. He fumbled it. Oh, no. You know what was you know what was the best part of the broadcast though? And snap back to Peters, steps up in the pocket, gets hit as he as he's trying to throw. Phil Darius Payne grabs him and finally brings him down a sack for Phil Darius Payne back at the 40-yard line. And that is our Huskers Big Mac sack. The Big Mac is buy one, get one free on Monday at McDonald's. <laughs> Whoa! He's back, baby! <laughs> he was pumped to deliver the deets. The details on the Big Mac sack. <laughs> he was. Buy one, get one. Coming up on Monday. Touchdown. And that is our Huskers Big Mac sack. The Big Mac is buy one, get one free on Monday at McDonald's. What's the deal on that? Is it buy three, get one? What is it? Buy one, get one free on Monday <laughs> at McDonald's. Right. Not even Ronald McDonald himself is has <laughs> ever been that excited about a Big Mac. Wow. Oh. There were so many. I do want to. I want to end with this. First of all, there was a great. <laughs> this was a great tweet. This was from Peyton Stagmeyer. This is after the game, and he says, "Cute Nick's Jamaican accent." Bill Moose is glad he's out of the area. Bill Moose is out of the area. <laughs> Bill Moose is out of the area. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Moose is glad he's out of the area. Bill Moose is out of the area. <laughs> so true. Bill Moose is Bill glad Moose. he's out of the area. Bill Moose is out of the area. <laughs> so stupid. I do want to give a salute. Uh, Kevin Suits was traveling uh, with his family, with his kid. He tweeted about his journey and also... Uh, son wanting to uh, listen to the Chicken Nick podcast or them listening to it. Andy Kendi tweeted about it. It's amazing. Uh, the songs, people did enjoy the songs, and we, we tweeted those out, and we 
We're glad we're glad you enjoy them. I tried very hard to win song the song of the year. I put all three of our songs together for a vote. You won that your hot step hot Oscar hot stepper hot won stepper, that one. Yeah, right. And then I said, Hold on a second. I did this voting all wrong. We got a text from a mutual friend, Lane Grindle. Uh and we're like I said, Look, Lane, I have to change this voting on this. Like right. this is so I had you go up against you. Hot Stepper won again. So I'm like, all right, now it's Hot Stepper versus <laughs> the Big Red Business. And I think I got smoked even worse. <laughs> I, I, re- so, I respect how you how you positioned it all, though. I loved it. Oh, man. So uh, your song was your song was the uh, the champion. But we do have one more song here. I have not heard all of this yet. Oh, boy. But this was sent in by a listener. And I will say, if you want to do the work for us, you are more than welcome to do it. If you have a parody or something you want to send in, feel free. For sure. Okay? We'll play it. Yeah. We'll do it. Yeah. There are talent, more, a lot more talented people than us that listen to this show. Bill Moose is out of the area. <laughs> I know. This is what you have to compete with. Bill Moose is out of the area. I mean. Can you do it? Can you do it? I think you probably can. All right. How about Dan? He wrote this song. We're done. This guy's good. It's therapeutic for him. Okay. Here we go. There are blunders on O. There are blunders on D. We try to blame reporters when they don't write fluff. Extra points, we missed two. Aussie punters, no good. We need a few more analysts for special teams. Hey now, hey now. The season's over. Hey now, hey now. It's all downhill from here. They're done, they're done. Just forfeit Oklahoma. We're going to and ten. We're not running the ball, barely scoring at all. Our greatest source of yardage is from penalties. In the paper today, they hyped some more Ray, but he's never gonna see the ball with Adrian at QB. Hey now, hey now, the season's over. Hey now, hey now, it's all downhill from here. Done, they're done. Just forfeit Oklahoma. We're going to and ten. All right. Wow. It's, uh... <laughs> that's the, uh, that's that the... was terrific, Dan. <laughs> that's really good. Oh, that is so good. <laughs> I only listened to the first 10 seconds. I'm like, all right, this is awesome. Uh, yeah, I sent yeah. him a message. Uh, I didn't listen to the rest. That was the first time I'd heard it. It's really well done. That's so good. Really well done. That is so good. That is so good. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. In the paper today, they hyped Zamari to Ray. 
In the paper today, they hyped Samori to rape. <laughs> oh man, that was rough. Uh, look, I don't, I don't know that the season is necessarily over, but I can attest this podcast is over. I'm not happy about that. Chicken Nick, yeah. Chicken Nick, yeah. Chicken Nick show, yeah. Here we go. Oh no! 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 Oh no!